Welcome to Good Enough with the Trauma Therapist, a podcast dedicated to empowering you to take control of your life, learning valuable strategies for healing and looking at mental health through a trauma-informed lens. Get ready to feel empowered and confident in managing your symptoms. And now, here is your host, licensed clinical social worker, EMDR therapist, and certified clinical trauma professional, Jamie Vollmuller. Welcome to Good Enough. I am your host, Jamie Vollmuller from Long Island EMDR. Really excited to talk to you guys today. Uh, We're going to be talking about raising our children and what it takes to raise good humans, right? So my first question for, for our audience is, when do you guys think that parenting relationship and creating a nurturing, safe environment with our kids start? Okay, so it actually it starts on day one. Day one. So as soon as that baby comes out the womb, it starts with us making eye contact, being loving and nurturing, attending to their needs. All of that is So very, very important in raising kids who feel safe as young as, you know, literally a few days old. If you have a child who they can't really make eye contact at a few days old, but early years are important. And that physical contact when they are a few days old is super important for them to feel regulated. I remember when my first son was born, he was crying like a banshee until they put him right next to my face. And as soon as he could smell me and feel me and touch me, he immediately calmed because he's he's used to mom. He lived in mom for nine months. So, you know, as soon as we made physical contact, he automatically calmed down, right? It really starts at day one. It gets harder from there, though, guys, because parenting doesn't come with a manual. So today I kind of wanted to go over what are the most important things that we can do to raise kids that feel self-confident, loved, good enough, that advocate for their own needs, that are good problem solvers, and are really prepared for the world. And also going over some of the pitfalls that prevent parents from doing this successfully. And the three biggest pitfalls I see is parents overprotecting their children. Um, a lot of parents will be worried, especially with toddlers, when they're learning to crawl and walk and they're running around and their siblings are being aggressive with one another. They will over intervene or be careful. Don't run. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it creates a lot of anxiety for kids. There's actually a study that shows that we correct our kids on average eight times a day and we do not nearly praise them as much. And if we think about that, what that communicates to them and their, and what that does to their overall self esteem. If the majority of your day you're being told you're bad, you're wrong. Don't do that. And you know, only maybe half as much you're told, good job, you're good, you know, you're doing the right thing, kiddo, and I'm proud of you. That's going to create a kid that doesn't have the best self-esteem or trust their own judgment, right? So overprotecting is a big one. Another big pitfall that prevents us from doing 
what we instinctually usually know as parents is good to do is worrying what other adults are going to think of you. And I always like when I talk about this, I always think about being in the grocery store and your kid bugging out, right? And other parents looking at you and feeling that societal pressure to show that you're a good parent and you have things under control. And a lot of people in those situations, due to the anxiety, tend to overreact. But if we stayed calm and understand that our kids have big feelings, right? And they're going to have feelings and we can't dictate their feelings. And we also want to teach them that their feelings are valid and they matter. You know, sometimes our kid's going to cry in the grocery store and that's just what it's going to be. And we can just stay calm and be like, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time, kiddo, and go on with our day. And if other people want to look on, they can look on. But for me as a parent, what helps with that is my goal is not to convince other adults that I'm a good mother. My goal is actually to be a good mother. My goal is to be a good mother in a way that makes my kids feel safe and heard and seen and loved. And me overreacting to situations that normally at home, you know, I would give them their space and let them calm down and let them work through it. Kind of is really contradictory and, and not consistent. And it sends mixed messages to our kids. And the last one is just staying calm and regulated. Like I hear so many parents say like, don't yell, don't do this, don't do that. But every time they get mad, that's what they're doing. So if we're not modeling the behavior we're expecting to see, it's just words, guys. You know, our kids aren't really learning from that. All they're learning is like your words really don't have much behind them, right? And that they're going to act that way in front of you, but behind your back, they're going to do what you do, right? And and that gets worse in teenagers. <laughs> So some examples I want to go over with you guys to kind of demonstrate like how we go over what's uh, most important in raising our kids really is teaching skills. We raise good humans by teaching them skills, teaching them problem solving skills, teaching them communication skills, teaching them how to talk about and identify how they're feeling and advocate for how they feel and what they need in a healthy way, modeling appropriate behavior and staying calm and regulated, right? So first example I want to give, because it's a, it's a big one, especially with like toddlers, right? If siblings aren't sharing, right? So one of the things that we should be doing as parents, if our kids are at least like two years old, if they can talk, they can sort it out on their own, we should be trying to let them do that. I have my two boys who are two and a half and five and my nephews also live in our house and our mother-daughter. Uh, so the boys are around each other a lot. My nephews are also two and a half and four. So a lot of the times, you know, the boys will get into tiffs because siblings get into tiffs. It's kind of inevitable. But what's the healthiest way to address that is letting them figure it out. And if I hear something going on, I listen intently to hear if they are trying to solve that problem on their own. And if they are, I kind of just continue listening to see if it resolves. And most of the time, honestly, it does. If they can't resolve it on their own and it continues to escalate, which sometimes does happen, the best course of action for us as parents is to be the regulated parent that takes the two kids, sits them down on either side of us and asks them questions to help them find solution, right? So we say like, hey, I observed this happening. And, you know, 
Danny got upset, seemed to be upset about this. And Michael, you seem to be upset about this. What do you both think that we could do to help resolve this? Right. And demonstrating like problem solving skills for them and, and kind of walking them through that. A big part of parenting, guys, is co-regulation. How we raise kids that feel safe and have all these skills is demonstrating it to them. Right. And, and even by like repeating what they're saying or rewording what you think they mean, that's demonstrating to them active listening skills. It's, it's demonstrating to them like how to actively listen for what the other person is struggling with. And the ways that we can do this is, you know, I hear Danny that you're saying you're upset that Michael took your toy. And Michael, I hear you saying that Danny said you can have a turn after the show end. Right. What do you guys think is fair? And by helping them to learn how to navigate that situation, it's going to make it a lot less likely. It makes it easier for you as a parent, honestly, because you have to inter- intervene a lot less because you're teaching them the skills to solve those problems. And honestly, kids fight probably a million times a day. I mean, I, I feel like I fought with my sibling all the time. And what helps to create siblings that are not in conflict is really to be that neutral party, right? One of the major things I say to parents is if you're not there, don't pick a side because <laughs> you don't really know what happens. And I've made that mistake as a parent. I remember I was at my mom's probably about like six months ago, and I assumed it was my five-year-old uh, doing what he had been doing at home, bothering my two-year-old. And I corrected him, and then my sister and my mom were like, hey, it was actually Dan. Dan was the one that was instigating there. So, you know, I learned my lesson. Not going to do that again because obviously the five-year-old is very upset. Stick around, guys. I got a lot more examples for you guys of concrete ways that you can model and um, appropriate behavior for your kids and help them navigate some of the trickier situations, as well as how we get regulated as parents. Thank you for listening to Good Enough with a Trauma Therapist. This is your host, Jamie Vollmuller. If you live in the states of New York or Missouri, we'd love to work with you. New Yorkers, give us a call at Long Island EMDR at 631-503-1539 or visit our website at liemdr.com. And for those of you living in Missouri, please call Brave Counseling and Psychiatry at 573-825-6441. Visit brave-mo.com. Welcome back to Good Enough, guys. I am your host, Jamie Vollmuller from Long Island EMDR. And today we are talking about how to raise emotionally well-adjusted children. And before the break, I said the three most important things that we are looking to do in raising good children is teaching them skills, communication skills, problem-solving skills, empathy, how to communicate their feelings and needs, modeling appropriate behavior. And part of that is staying calm and regulated in high-stress situations because our kids really, especially younger, need that co-regulation. It, I, I want to also normalize, like it is completely normal for a two-year-old to have a meltdown, right? Like we as adults have meltdowns, guys. And if we're expecting our literal like toddlers and, and even like elementary school, middle school, like we're expecting children to be emotionally regulated all the time and not have big feelings and mess up. And when they do, if we're yelling at them and guilting them and shaming them, like 
they don't want to act that way. Just like you don't want to act that way when you lose your stuff. But they did. So the best way to really handle that isn't by yelling or screaming or any of that. It's I've never changed my behavior because someone made me feel bad. All that did was made me ruminate on either how mad I was at that person or feel horribly horrible about myself and who I am as a person because of what that person said to me in response to my behavior. Right. The best thing for us to do is is really just allow them to kind of figure it out on our own and and model appropriate behavior. So one of the other big examples I wanted to give you guys, because as I said earlier, one of the biggest pitfalls I see with parents is changing their parenting style when they're around other adults because of the anxiety and the shame and the guilt and the and the worry that other people are gonna judge them or think that they're a bad parent. And a big one that I see, and I come from an Italian family, so we're very touchy-feely, we're very lovey-dovey, is forcing kids to be physically affectionate with family members. And I really do take issue with this because it's teaching our kids really confusing things about boundaries. And I know this is a topic that no one wants to hear, but one in six kids is sexually abused. And it's by usually by someone that the family knows is either in the family system or is a highly trusted adult. So if we are telling our kids when they're saying, no, I don't want to kiss grandma. No, you have to. You have to. Because it's going to make her feel bad. Right? What is that really teaching them? You know, it doesn't make them feel safe that someone's violating their boundary. And we're not teaching them that they have the right to hold their own physical boundaries, right? And that's really concerning because if you're not around and your kid's with a coach or, you know, an extended relative that is being someone inappropriate, I mean, sexual abuse guys does not just start with like all in like sexual behavior. There's a lot of grooming that goes into that that leads up to that behavior. And that's because you know, those adults manipulate those children into doing more and more. And because as parents, we have communicated that those kids, you know, are not like solely autonomous over their bodies and can make those choices and that they should be conscious of how they're making other people feel by saying no about what they want to do with their physical body, we're making it a lot more likely that our kid is going to follow through with things that make them feel uncomfortable or unsafe. Okay. Sorry, I got really passionate about that. It's just pet peeve of mine (laughs) because it it seems like a really small, innocuous thing, but I've seen it play out in in a lot of the adults that I work with who were sexually abused. They feel such guilt and shame about what happened to them because they quote unquote should have known better. But also the messaging that they got at home about their own physical boundaries and their space was really confusing and honestly didn't teach them to know better. So it's something for us to keep in mind as parents, right? As I'm saying all of this, you know, when we're talking about like being the mom in the grocery store while your kid's having a meltdown, part of the reason that I think parents like overreact or even when your kids are, are running and you're anxious that they're going to get hurt, it's it's truly our own stuff, guys. It's our own triggers. It's our own anxieties. It's our own insecurities, And it's really, really important if you're finding in your parenting that 
you are yelling more than you want to or overreacting or repeating yourself a thousand times or getting overly triggered by what your kids are doing to the point that you are dysregulated and you can't calm the situation, you know, it's important to seek help because parents are really the model for their children in knowing what what is appropriate and what is not, right? So again, if we are yelling and screaming, then our kids are going to think that that's an ex- appropriate way to express their anger, right? If we never cry, right? I, I work with so many parents who, especially men, who had fathers who were kind of emotionless. And the only emotion they really saw was anger. They didn't see sadness. They didn't see upset. They might have seemed disappointed, but it also came across as angry. And those men have a really hard time expressing vulnerability and modeling that for their kids uh, and being emotionally vulnerable with their kids because they didn't have that model. Um, and even, even women, I mean, there are, there are plenty of women walking around who are dysregulated too, but the, I have to be strong and being emotionally vulnerable seems very specific to men. Um, but working through our own stuff so that we're not as triggered when they inevitably act out or have big feelings is so very important because that's the only way we're going to model. If we don't work through our stuff and we're triggered all the time and we're constantly losing it or acting in ways that we know aren't really healthy or good or, or how we should be acting in front of our kids, then we need to address it so that we're not triggered and we can be the calm and we can stay in regulated bodies and we can teach them healthy ways to cope with their emotions like modeling self-regulation skills or my when I get upset or my kids get upset, I use a lot of statements like, you know, mommy needs space for a minute. I'm feeling very frustrated. You know, give me five minutes. Let me take some breaths and then I will, you know, come back to you. And it's funny because my five-year-old will now say that to me like, I'm frustrated. I need space, which is great because then I know what he needs and I can give him a space and he can calm down. But our kids are going to get negative emotions, guys. And we really have to allow them to work through those and not try to dictate their behavior all the time or how they feel or how they act because they're their own individuals and us just constantly telling them everything they're doing wrong and not picking and choosing our battles. Picking and choosing your battles is so very important because uh, otherwise, if you're constantly correcting, if you're constantly, you know, yelling or telling them that they're doing the wrong thing or don't run, don't do this. It, it creates anxiety and it creates a lot of self-doubt. When you don't allow your kids to figure it out on their own or, or fail, they don't feel like they can trust their own judgment. If you as a parent are like, I have the confidence in you and your abilities to figure out this situation, our kids are probably going to feel a lot more confident in doing that. Um, and that even goes you know, for teenagers, right? Like when our teenagers come to us and they're like, I procrastinated on this and I'm so stressed out and blah, 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 blah. Like there are so many parents would be like, well, why would you do that? And, blah, 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 and start like automatically, like, you know, better, blah, blah, blah. like that is not going to help your kid. They know all that. They know, they know they're in trouble. They know they shouldn't. <laughs> I can say that from personal experience, but if you instead were like, you know, honey, yeah, we shouldn't have procrastinated. It's going to be a long night, but I have faith in your ability to execute this and get this done because you are smart and capable human because I raised you and you are 
are capable of accomplishing anything and all we can do right now is move forward, the kid's going to feel more regulated. You've been listening to Good Enough. Thank you for listening to Good Enough with the Trauma Therapist. We appreciate you listening. While our host may provide some personal and professional advice, we want to remind you that this show is for entertainment purposes only. Each individual situation is unique and good enough is not a substitute for mental health treatment. If you need a therapist and are located in New York or Missouri, feel free to reach out to us at liendr.com or brave-mo.com. I want to remind you that you are good enough.